get the benefit of being a little timely because the backlog is however long back and it makes no sense when we eventually get there. So let me explain to all of you the fucking backlash of going from weird racist shitlords complaining about a functionally useless Disney live action remake. Watching that and then watching those same people fucking rip their teeth out about the cousinship from House of Dragons. What the fuck? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the internet. I'm sick of white people's shenanigans, Amber. Okay, so I both, um, I, Devin, I'm so fucking excited to tell you that I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, uh, In either direction? Certainly not about the, 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 the Game of Thrones thing. Um, but I think just for the sake of the audience, you know, if I don't know something, they may not just, I just, okay. So there's a give new us the cliff notes. game of Thrones show and it's pretty good. I like it quite a bit. Hope it stays good. It's game of Thrones is about families, right? Starks, Baratheons, Targaryens, whatever house of the dragon right. is specifically about Targaryens, right? You're doing the Shakespeare thing where it's a big family drama that has lasting consequences because it's royalty and that's part of the comedy even in his dramas. Long short of it is royalty, there's cousin fuckers. It's just a thing that right. happens. Targaryens right. fuck cousins. Matt Smith plays the older cousin to, I think it's Rhaenyra, kind of the main character, and there's a scene where they do a smooch and they don't have a sex because Matt Smith Targaryen is impotent and the scene is kind of predatory, and watching motherfuckers be like, oh my god, them, about literal cousins, I'm just like, no, stop. Stop it. Sure, All of right. you, stop it. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I love it when my cousins kiss. Mm, nom, nom, nom. Man, fucking highbrow TV is easy as shit, because it's just messy bitches in nice dresses. That's it, all right? Fucking, I watch Game of Thrones, and I love that shit. I love Game of Thrones. I love House of the Dragon. It's great so far. This is a soap opera. I watch soap opera. I grew up with a single mom. We watched Passions. And the end of episode two is literally, oh my god, he's... The dad is going to marry his daughter's best friend. That's passions, baby. That's a soap opera. I know how these work. And none of you can lie to me. Bear with me a second. Um, uh, so I have this little display that says, um, a girlfriend is a sister that you choose. Um, that I saw at like a, like a shitty gift shop in Sacramento for like $6. And it was the funniest, most cursed heterosexual thing I had ever seen in my entire life. Um, uh, and I, uh, couldn't not purchase it. Um, but upon purchasing it because I thought it was funny, I also knew immediately that I, I couldn't display it either. Um, and so it, it immediately went hidden into a drawer in the bottom of my room. Um, like, like enough that I had to walk out of the store with it but also enough that it needed to stay hidden forever. Me with That's the a semi-related uh, joke there. Me with the Roger Stone plaque I paid money for. 
That's a bummer, buddy. I Man, he made a plaque out of his presidential pardon. That's fucking hilarious. I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's so funny. That's really funny. Funny, like, the question we ask to make the audience make us feel real in this podcast. It's not that have. funny, but the, good the, try. <laughs> <laughs> it's not um, funny. You're correct. The podcast so, in question is original podcast, Do Not Steal, a podcast where every week I, my good friend Amber Autumn, talk about all of your favorite intellectual properties, video games, TV shows, movies, short stories, novels, and what have you, and create an original character within that space. That's the that's podcast. True, that's that's true. what we do. Your turn. But in order to do those things effectively, we need to be able to maximize our revenue, and that means maximizing our fucking parasocial... But I, this is so fucking, like, if you're listening to this, you know one of us in real life. Nobody, like, random is, we're friends. It's not parasocial if you just know us. You're, like, we know who you, hey, Devin, here's my question of the week for you. Um, what's a way in which you, um, uh, what's a way in which you're very plan ahead for things and one way in which you're very fly by the seat of your pants? Hmm. That's a good one. And before I answer that, yeah. I would like to say you're wrong on two accounts because there is that one guy on Twitter who asked us to cover Doom Patrol, who neither of us know. And I always forget your name, King, but I appreciate it. Sorry about Thank the Doom you. Patrol episode. Thank you, King. And also, Bell has specifically texted me and be like, it's weird when I listen to the podcast because I'm forming a parasocial relationship with my sister and you, my friend in real life. That's not a fucking parasocial relationship. <laughs> That's just a social relationship. Uh... <laughs> parasociality is like a really specific term it's not like when you listen to someone's media like it it's it's one of those words that's gotten super like watered down in the discourse um uh it's i promise you that's just a social relationship it's okay i don't know this is the most most of our friends talk to you now so like that can feel parasocial Becca can text me any time. <laughs> yeah, people can text you any time, but I will be the first one to say you don't reply at any time. That is true. That's true. It's true. So anyways, anyway, that's true. The way I'm plan ahead and a way I'm fly by the seat of my pants. Um, I don't think I plan ahead an awful lot. Like in what regard, I guess? Is that a question for me, or is that clarifying the question that I asked you? Clarifying the question that you asked me? Yeah, like, any element of your life that you tend to plan, any element of your life that you tend to, like, do you plan ahead with, like, like meal prep? Do you tend to improvise that, or do you tend to do that on the fly? Um, social appointments, does that tend to be pre-planned or done on the fly? Um, uh. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, meal prep. I am hashtag a surgeries. Yeah, those are on the fly. I love cancer. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm a I'm a hashtag fitness boy who hasn't been able to go to the gym in three years, and I miss it. Um, so meal prep is is a it's a ritual. It's a thing I have planned out for the week. I know what I'm gonna eat and when I'm gonna eat it. Don't count calories because that's a, a a fucking scam and it sucks and it will make you not mm -hmm. want to do the thing. And that's the biggest enemy when it comes to a diet. Diets die. Think about new ways you approach your nutrition and new meals you get and not things you get to deprive yourself with because then you're going to have those things. Um, and that's just a little soapbox for everyone about food. Um, Eat food, not too much. Mostly plants. Yeah. And let's see. 
And what areas do I just kind of do whatever? Um, yeah, I think social events. I just kind of message someone and I'm like, hey, do you want to do anything this weekend? You, what, you free? What's your weekend looking like? That's actually super interesting because that's like, like, like if you just reverse those, it actually works perfectly for my answer to that question. Like I, I, I tend to be really busy socially. I have like a really packed schedule. Um, like right now, like we're, um, we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, on Thursday I stream. Um, uh, on Friday I have to go shopping for clothes to wear to this like Bridgerton event that's happening in the evening. I've never seen an episode of Bridgerton, but a friend talked me into going because we would get to dress fancy. On Saturday I work, and then after work I have a Pathfinder game. On Sunday I work, and then after work I'm watching The Room with some friends, some of which, some of whom have never seen The Room before, and on. Monday, I have a date in the evening. Like you, like you see what I'm saying. Like I almost always have um, uh, all of my life planned out for a, 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 a around a week, if not more, um, after like any given moment that I'm in um, socially. But like food wise, I never know what I'm gonna eat until I am already eating it. Um, uh, so that's. That's really interesting as as the two that you said. I always like these questions when I feel like I actually learn something about you when you answer them. Yeah. I, I was going to say I can show you some meal preps that you could make, but it's, I don't know. I don't know if you need to or if you would have the time or even want to, but I don't know if you want, if you ever ask. I have like a few meal preps. No, I mean, like I, like I know how to cook, basically. I'm not like a, I'm not a fine chef, but I like have, I've, you know, wormed my way into the field for the last few years. I, like, have a much, much, much better relationship to cooking than I did in, like, college. Um, and I, you know, basically know how to prep it. Like, my general approach is to just keep the house stocked with, like, some staple ingredients that I can mix and match, right? Like, if I always have sandwich prepping prepping on hand, if I always always have, like, enough stuff to uh, toss together some bean burritos whenever I want, if I always have enough stuff to... Um, you know, if I always have some, some fresh fruits and some yogurt and some, some, some oats and some milk and some walnuts, like you can, you're like, I'm going to be able to make some combination of those things into, uh, an oatmeal or a granola and, and, and yogurt or like something. Right. Um, yeah, okay. I see, I see. I, 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 I keep the staples around. So I don't, yeah. Anyway. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Well, uh, thanks for joining us for the parasocial element of our... God, I, I fucking said it. Thanks for joining us for the social element of our of our little expedition. Uh, today, on the podcast, in which every week we take an original... Or we take a fucking property. I always say an original property, and that's never what it is. We take a property, an intellectual property, and we make an original character in that property... Um, and today we are going to be talking about the Scream movies. It is worth noting that at one point in our history we did record a slasher movie OC, um, but we, we lost some of the audio to that episode, and so that is an unaired missing episode. But we'll now be able to recapture some of that hidden glory by doing a full episode just about the Scream movies, um, uh, which is going to be a little bit of an Amber Autumn talkie episode, which means it's going to be um, under an hour long. We're going to keep it short, baby. <laughs> Scream, 
uh, because it's going to be an Amber Autumn Talkie episode, uh, let's maybe start with you. We usually like talk a little bit about our relationships to the property, etc. I know that you have less of a relationship, but like maybe tell me what do you know about it? What's your what's your scream hot takes? Did you ever watch the Welshy retrospectives back in our the, that guy with the glasses days? I remember it being on and you watching it at one point. I don't think I ever watched Welshy stuff like at all. It's pretty um, good for the time, eh, you know, relative to what was happening around it. Yeah, you know, you, you know, you, they either changed or they didn't. You're either a Lindsay Ellis or a Linkara, and, and yep. you exist uh-huh. somewhere on that spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. let's see, I do screen. want to do an Atop the Fourth Wall episode someday. Oh, boy, that'll be... Uh, you know what? It'll be a fun one, right? I haven't reached out to anyone. When we do the Atop the Fourth Wall one, fuck it. Lewis Lovehagen, you're getting an email from me, buddy. You want to be on our podcast? Oh, my God, that would be so fucking cool. Can you imagine? (laughs) That'd be nuts. Oh, daddy. Anyway, Scream. I am not the biggest fan of the world of the Scream movies. I've watched the first few. As a kid, I didn't have a lot of thoughts. As I've gotten older, I think the meta thing gets a little old, a little too interested in being meta. Um... Okay. And I yeah, don't know how enough. much more I have to say than that. Uh, but here's what I'm going to do. Since my particular emotional reaction to Scream is not strong enough to warrant me talking for a while, I'm just going to plant a little seed right here, right now. This will be paid off later, I guarantee it. But Scream is one of the easiest ways I, Prince Devon, can talk about professional wrestling. So I'm just going to plant that seed, and Amber, the floor is all yours. All right. Well, with that ominous bit of foreshadowing out of the way. Um, so Scream is a currently five, although um, with more installments on the way, uh, film franchise dating back to the 90s of. Um, I mean, horror films, ostensibly, but like. There's there's this line in in the newest one where they say, like, at their core, this this the scream movies are basically um meta slasher whodunits um or something to that effect and that like is true like the 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 main beating center of a scream movie is the whodunit element people talk a lot about ghostface as a killer um ghostface is not a set character like uh like freddy krueger or jason or whomever ghostface is a mask, a persona that different people can slip into over the franchise. Every single movie's ghost face is a different person than the movie before it. Every movie, um, somebody puts on this mask and this costume, and the point is that it's like a really shitty, generic-looking Halloween costume. Like, it's a plot point. In the first movie, they're like, yeah, um, they sell these for $5 at every fucking Halloween store around the country, um, we can't actually figure out who it is through the costume. It's a super generic Halloween costume. Um, and so every movie, somebody has stepped into this costume and started killing people. And most of the movie um, is about introducing you to this cast of characters and then, you know, being a whodunit, trying to figure out who done it as suspects are slowly whittled off the list by virtue of dying. And the, 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 the big the big sexy hook of the Scream franchise um, that differentiates it from, you know, the vast other array of 
uh, of of whodunit slashers. Honestly, an an underexplored genre. Um, juicy bodies, bodies, bodies. Loved bodies, bodies, bodies. Um, uh, the big sexy hook is the like is the self aware angle. The the like famous thing that the scream movies do are that they are preoccupied with knowing that they are slasher movies, knowing that you, the audience, have seen every slasher movie ever made because you're watching a horror movie, so you've probably seen a bunch of other horror movies, and you know the rules. You know what's going to happen in all of these movies. And this movie knows that you know the rules. And I I think that there's this reputation that 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 meta things get i mean listen i'm a sucker for meta things already i just like like meta jokes i just like am personally into them um and that's just like a character flaw that i have but i think that like they get this reputation for being like cheap and easy um but i think that the way that scream uses the meta bits are actually extremely intentional and have a really really specific purpose I think that the thing that the Scream movies do with the meta references is as a piece of, like, communication and destabilization with the audience. You, as an audience, watching a scene, you have a specific set of expectations that you have for what's happening in it. Um, When danger starts ramping up, you have a certain set of places where you are expecting the danger to come from, and you have... Um, uh, a certain, like, set of moments when you expect the danger could arrive. Um, and this movie has a habit of, like, this movie franchise has a habit of luring you into those scenes and then looking at you and saying, I know that you're expecting the killer to jump out from behind that cabinet door right now. And just the fact that the movie says... I know that you're expecting that to happen, um, like out loud to you as as loudly as it possibly can. Um, it's not promising that that's not going to happen, but it is promising you that it knows it would that it knows that it would be the most obvious thing to happen. It knows you were already expecting it, and now you have to consider the possibility that that scare could be coming from anywhere else at well as well um there's this like fucking incredible scene in the newest scream movie where like two characters um one of whom is extra genre aware go into like uh, go into the basement alone with just the two of them and it's just like two of them going into a cellar and then they're both down there and talking to you about like like, who's going to be the one to walk back up the stairs first? And, like, what a, for me, sphincter-tightening scene. Um, where I, like, had no fucking idea what was going to happen. It's just a scene of two characters walking up the stairs. And, like, it would kind of be strange for one of them to, like, just stab the other right here. Neither of them are masked. But it, like... It could happen at this point. Like, they're bringing it up. They know that I'm expecting it not to happen, and so they're, like, destabilizing that. And they also know that I'm expecting it to happen, like, in this moment, in this way. And so now I'm like, is are they going to pop out from, like, behind the refrigerator now? Um, uh, 
there's like a really really famous scene in the first one it's like the scene that people point to where the character who's like really genre aware is sitting on the couch watching a scary movie and in the scary movie that the character is watching um a killer is creeping up on this girl um and so the character is shouting um no look behind you he's right behind you while at that exact moment the killer is creeping up right behind him um uh which is so fucking like like you as an audience like 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 that's the filmmaker saying like we know that the thing that happens here is that the character looks behind him um uh is that going to happen this time um fuck you uh watch and find out uh which is just like such a it's a delight it's a delight to have that happening in a who done it specifically a movie that's like already all about like not having all of the information it's just like another way that the movie keeps you in the dark so that like the um the the two genres reflect each other they mirror each other in ways that are that are really exciting and interesting and also i think that that joke is really funny i think it's really funny when he's saying look behind you while the creeper is coming up behind while well, the the the, the killer is coming up behind him i think that's great um uh and that's that's the formula um, uh, for all five of these movies. Um, there's, like, an original trilogy. The original one came out in 1996, I think? Maybe four? Don't quote me. I don't remember the exact year that the original screen came out. Um, uh, and then two more movies. Um, over the next few years, there was, like, a semi-remake in the aughts. Um, and then, like, this year, uh, uh, Scream 5, just titled Scream, came out by... The guys who directed Ready or Not. Did you see Ready or Not? It sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't think I did. You should see Ready or Not. It's a banger. Um, 2019 horror movie. Uh, um, so, like, the, 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 the critical consensus is the first Scream um, is, I mean, you know, the, the thing that you think about the first Scream is the thing that you think about the first Scream. It's, it's a classic in many ways. Um, uh, it's controversial in a lot of ways. Not everyone unanimously likes the original Scream. Uh, it can be a pretty polarizing experience, but um, it is, it, it has had a huge impact on the, the, the cultural landscape. Um, and then pretty much everybody agrees that two and three, um, you know, maintain some of the great stuff. And there are a few iconic moments in like two, especially, um, but don't necessarily have the same panache as the first one. Um, four, widely hated everyone's wrong it's incredible um and then five um i also hot take fucking adore five um i absolutely i was so worried about it and i did not need to be i really think that they absolutely held to the things that i wanted out of a screen movie i mean in fairness i'm saying a lot of really lovely things about scream scream is not like the best movie franchise ever made i don't need it to like I don't know. I don't have I don't have Scream like mythologized in a way where I need every reboot to be like some perfect work of of high art. Um, uh, I basically need to have a good time. I need to be kept on my toes. I need to get surprised a lot. I need to have like three or four scenes um, where I genuinely am on my seat. Like, what the fuck is going to happen next? This could go anywhere. And then like a fourth thing that I didn't think of happens. Um, and it gave me all of those things, basically. Um, uh, 
And that is a few words on screen. Remember how I said I would keep this under an hour? Oh, boy. Yes, I do. So, um, what happens in Scream? Great question. Scream mostly follows um, uh, Sidney Prescott, um, played by Neve Campbell. Honestly, that's already sort of a spoiler. This, okay, so um, the original movie did this sort of famous thing where they cast Drew Barrymore um, as, uh, as, as this character. Um, they put her like as the lead in all of the trailers. She's the biggest face on the poster. Um, and then they kill that character off in the first scene. The opening scene is them killing her off. She's the first character to die. She's the inciting incident of the movie. It happens before the credits drop. The, like, pre-title sequence. Uh, uh, the pre, pre-title pre sequence scream, scream openings are, are iconic. Um, and that one just, like, by the meta element of advertising itself in a certain way. Oh, my God. Incredible. Um, uh, but the, our, our real hero, the movie opens proper on, on Sidney Prescott, who is a high school student in the first one, um, uh, with family connections, a, a, a dead mom who was killed by, um, uh, a, a serial killer way back and she's like living in those footsteps. Um, she gets chased around by a serial killer in the first one. Um, uh, and then, and then in the second one, she's in college. And then in the third one, she, the third one onward, she is a grown up at varying ages. There are the supporting cast of Dewey, who is, um, a cop, but don't worry. These movies take place in the cops are good cinematic universe, um, that all movies take place in more or less. Uh, Dewey is, um, like, but like, okay. Think small town cop, like, like like small town office where there's only a couple of people um uh he is uh uh not like a uh uh he's not like well established in 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 the the office he's like not a not a well regarded figure at first he's kind of a like a bumbling doofus um uh and then over over time you know he becomes more um uh he becomes more competent, but he also gets the shit beat out of him in these movies. Uh, uh, and there's um, and there's Gail Weathers, um, who's a who's a reporter who like clearly is more out to make a buck um, and may or may not secretly have a heart of gold, um, despite being kind of a bitch on the outside. There are a few more um, supporting characters who have like greater or lesser emphasis throughout the movies, Billy Loomis, Randy Meeks, um, uh, Cotton Weary, etc. Some supporting characters who get brought in in the fourth and fifth movies. Uh, a, a lot of characters who show up for one movie only for one reason or another. Um, uh, and, but, but like those are your core three who, who recur pretty often are, are Sydney, um, uh, uh, Gale and Dewey. Um, and I, I, as soon as I go through these characters, I know how you're going to connect it to wrestling, but hold off for us for a minute, Devin. I said, hold off because I was going to, I was going to give us more. And then I realized that I didn't know what else I was going to say. So, um, uh, I know, I know that I mentioned David Arquette and you've been very patient. Do you want to just go? Yeah, I was kind of, man, in the last episode, 
I remember asking you, Amber, who would you say is the heart of the Scream movies? And oh you my said God. David Arquette. And I said, thank you. And Absolutely then you replied, oh, we've, took so- we've taken so long, I forgot that's what you were going to do. But yes, David Arquette. The heart of the Scream movies, on top of being a one-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And that's just... Such an awful fact that's true and forever, and it's never going away, no matter what anyone does. We weigh that awful. Because what's David Arquette? What do you? Uh, he's a, a wrestler, an actor. What, uh, he's an actor. He's not a fucking wrestler. Not, <laughs> there's okay. a specific. There is a specific reason you bring in mainstream celebrities to do wrestling angles it's to leech off of their popularity right bad bunny is more popular than the wwe full stop don't argue with me wrestling nerds just fucking don't do it it's a waste of both of our time he's bigger than wwe they need him they don't need him so you have him come in he does his spots he does his things and then other big news outlets will talk about it and you might get some extra eyes on it you don't then take the celebrity who the audience might like they usually don't they didn't really like logan paul when he showed up no one really gave a shit when jared leto was here it's not fucking christ wrestling is stupid you do not then take that celebrity and put them over all of your main talent who are on the show week to week and say look he's definitively better than everyone he won the big belt at the end of it. It's it was just one of the most universally derided decisions in the whole of wrestling, and wrestling fans can never agree on goddamn anything, but we can all point to this one moment and go, yeah, really that's fucking stupid. That, like, David, like Arquette, David Arquette, Arquette specifically. Yeah, it's just, it's fucking dumb, man. You know, <laughs> it's a fucking bad decision. <laughs> just, and... And it, here's here's how you know it's a bad decision. Fucking the mighty chin of Jay Leno. I don't think he regrets being in a WCW main event. I don't think Hugh Jackman regrets hosting a Monday Night Raw. David Arquette does not like the fact that David Arquette was World Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> like gave the money he got for that pay-per-view to other wrestlers and was like apologizing backstage oh my God. And, and he hates it so much that like a few years back he was like i'm i love wrestling i'm gonna prove to the wrestling fan base that i belong here and sir david wrestling fans are all smelly and have bad opinions you don't have to prove anything <laughs> to them it's just true we're smelly and bad and so he had like this run through the indies where he was going to wrestle a bunch of people. And speaking of slashers, one of the people he wrestled was one of my favorite wrestlers, the king of the American Deathmatch, Nick fucking Gage, who's just a scary man who went to jail for bank robbery. That's not a gimmick. That's not a storyline. That's just a thing he did because he's from Indiana. And God damn it, that's the one homegrown hero we got. <laughs> so Nick Gage of the death match and i need to say this there is a difference between a hardcore match and a death match a hardcore match is what wcw did a lot of it's what mcfoldy's famous for there's no rules you hit each other with foreign objects someone might go through a flaming table barbed wire and whatnot 
a death match is where the presumed gimmick is, I'm going to try and kill you. Okay. How it usually results in is lining up like various forms of glass and fluorescent light tubes to go through. Nick Gage specifically is a big fan of taking a pizza cutter to your forehead, right? So, when wrestlers go over matches, a lot of new, a lot of old school wrestling has to be like, you fucking call it in the ring, brother. That's how you know someone can work. But wrestling changes. It's an art form. And a lot of newer wrestlers like to talk about what they're going to do, like going into the match, really working everything out, getting that, you know, tight Ric Flair steamboat type of match. So when David Arquette was talking to Nick Gage about what they're going to do in their death match, David Arquette goes, hey, Nick. I'm down for anything. Don't give me the pizza cutter spot. That scares me. And Nick Gage said through the tooth he is missing, Yeah, no, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> they then have the match. Nick Gage comes out, Because it's MGK! And the crowd goes, All fucking day! And it's the greatest. And he says, I'm the king of this shit. And he throws David Arquette through the fucking fluorescent light tubes. And he's punching him with barbed wire. And I'm going, this is the greatest sport of all time. I love this so much. And then he's got David Arquette on the ropes. And he takes This is becoming much more genuinely cutter. talking about wrestling than I was expecting it to. He takes the pizza cutter, and there's you can watch Dark Side of the Ring. You can watch Nick Gage talk about this, but sometimes you're just feeding off that crowd. And when the crowd are all chanting, kill him, kill him, fuck that guy, you know, you lose yourself a little bit. <laughs> and so Nick Gage takes the pizza cutter, and you can just, like, hold it to someone's mouth. And the trick is you just, like, get the outer end of the lips, and then they bleed a little from the mouth, and it looks a lot more violent than it is. But David Arquette goes, oh, no, fuck this, and, like, jerks back right when Nick Gage goes to do it, because David Arquette was like, don't do this fucking spot with me. So he slits his neck. <laughs> David Arquette grabs his neck, falls to the ground, one, two, three, and then he just gets up and fucking leaves. <laughs> and Nick, you cut back to Nick Cage, he's like... I said, which one about, about that guy? He didn't fucking listen, and I think that's lame. But he's real as fuck. He took that thing. You then cut to David Arquette holding his neck going, I don't think death matches is for me. I almost died that night. Devin, what? Mm, no, I'm not going to ask what's going on in wrestling. I'm not going to ask it. Uh, that would get us talking about wrestling, and that's not what we're doing here today. The way that the way that I would want to go forward in making a, a scream OC, like it's interesting the way you do it. The, the, my instinct um, is to come up with a ghost face. Does that make sense? Or we you want to make the killer? I, I that's my first instinct. I'm open to hearing other ideas if you had a different direction you wanted to go. Uh no, I, I don't. I don't. My attachment to scream is I've seen the first few. So I trust your judgment here. So I think um, this isn't necessarily going to be strictly relevant to making the character, but I do want to say that I think um, if if I were going to make a Scream movie, um, uh, one twist that I would be really attached to doing in, in a Scream movie specifically um, is that I think that I would want three killers. I don't think we're going to make three OCs, but I would want to do three killers because they have done the two killers twist in a Scream movie before. Nice and subversive, nice and unexpected. It's two people. 
Um, they were both Ghostface. Uh, uh, and 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 they have lampshaded that twist uh, since as well. Um, uh, uh, to the point where I think it, it kind of uh, is 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 almost an expected element of the formula at this point. Um, when I got to Scream Five, I kind of was like. Like, that was what I was going in with, was I was like, okay, I'm expecting that in this movie there are going to be two killers. Um, uh, that's kind of just, like, that that would that would be what I would expect them to do at this point in the series with it. Um, but what I would do, they've never done three killers, they've never considered doing three killers, and what a fun, like, unexpected, you would never, you would never see that coming. Like, you do the thing where you unveil unveil two killers, and you go, okay, there's our two killers. Um, and then, boom, third killer. You would never see it coming. How would you know? Wow, what a great twist. Thanks, Devin. Thank you for saying that to me. Um, anyway, uh, I don't think we're going to make three characters, but we could incorporate the idea that there is a whole group of three of them into um, uh, uh, what, we, what we talk about in this character the, the the thing that we want to do here um uh th that would make an oc interesting i think in the setting is um one um these characters in some ways they don't need to be complicated uh they pretty much all have connections to the original maureen prescott killings um in some way or another uh but they their motivations are all very horror movie, you know? Like, there's a line where one of the killers in one of the movies goes, like, like, oh, like, like, I could come up with all of these, like, big elaborate reasons, but my, my motivations are not as 90s all that. Um, uh, I just want revenge. Um, super simple. These are movie characters. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, they know that they're movie characters, um, uh, and, and you can make use of that. A lot of the characters are interested in getting, a lot of the killers are interested in getting famous off of the killings, right? They're interested in, like, being the big bad in a movie that gets them famous. Um, and so I think being able to, like, play with a character who wants to be aware of and exploit um, genre tropes is really interesting. I think I've talked about it before on this show, but there's a character in Order of the Stick. Um, this... <laughs> God, what a what a bizarre a turn there. There's a character in Order of the Stick, which is this Dungeons & Dragons webcomic that's been running for, like, a couple of decades now. Um, it's really good. Can't recommend Order of Stick enough. Um, there's this character who's, like, totally genre-aware, is, like, aware of that he is in a story and that the story has genre rules and how those rules work and has chosen to be a big bad evil ruling an evil empire. Um, and the heroes come to stop him and they're like, don't you know that we're going to stop you? And he's like, yeah, I do know that you're going to come stop me because you're the heroes. But um, I also know that as the evil empire... Um, uh, like, there has to be a big, bad, super insurmountable force for the heroes to overcome. And so, I know that if I start an evil empire, I'm going to be able to, like, live pretty on it for decades um, before you get there. Um, uh, otherwise, where's the threat to thwart? 
Um, and I think that that is like a really interesting angle to take. Um, it can't be like quite that meta, um, uh, quite that direct about it, but, um, yeah. And then, uh, uh, and then the third thing is just casting. Who do we cast? Um, it's fun to cast somebody and be like, okay, we want this person to, um, uh, we want this person to be in a whodunit and then be able to go buck fucking crazy in the end as a serial killer and to be able to hit both of those in the same character. Seth Green. Was Seth Green in those movies? I don't think Seth Green was in those movies. It's weird. It feels like he should have been in those movies. Right? Doesn't it? Yeah, it totally does. I'm just going to throw out my idea for a Scream movie yeah. since you did yours real quick. So I think this is just like a slasher movie I want in general. But if you're subverting tropes, it's a whodunit. And they tell you right away because the main character is the slasher. I just think that's a fun setup for a movie. But specifically for Scream, here's what I'd do. You'd get to the end. And they're all Ghostface. But none of them knew it. (laughs) And so it's like, how does the slasher take out the slasher? What is what does that mean that none of them knew it? Like like they all independently of each other were like, what if I was a fucking serial killer? And they start like killing their own friends and shit. And then like the last four, they're like, ha little did you know. And then they pull out the knife and it's like, wait a minute. And he pulls out the mask and the other one pulls out like the voice box and the other one pulls out some other slash face. They're like, ah, oh, you cheeky. You were, you were the, oh, I thought, oh, I, oh, 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 we all wore the same dress to prom. And then they all have to like, I don't know, kill each other at the the end of the movie. That's funny. That would be funny. I don't know if I buy that for Scream. I don't. I don't know enough about Scream to know if that fits. But I think that. But really it is funny. a. That's a great movie, though. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Seth Green. I love Seth Green. Phone. Let's start with yeah, Seth, Seth Green. Green. Hell yeah, Seth Green. Um, Has Seth Green ever gone, like, psycho crazy? He's, like, unnerving and vaguely menacing in Scooby-Doo 2. They, like, definitely in Scooby-Doo 2 do the, like, like, play with the, oh, is he the killer thing for, like, a second. Um, But they don't really, yeah, he doesn't really get to, like... Be, sorry, I mean, spoilers for Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. You should watch Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. It's really good. Um, and then there would be two people who were doing Scooby-Doo movies who were in Scream movies. Okay, well, if we're... Um, if the fun thing is that they get to be meta-aware, there are a couple of characters in the franchise who um get to who get to be the genre aware ones the guy who i talked about from the scene in the first one with the killer coming up behind him um uh randy um is like <clears throat> the or example of this in the franchise he's a guy who has watched every film movie and knows the rules of surviving ooh, horror ooh, movies ooh. here's my idea yeah it's a guy or girl who's like aware of tropes 
but isn't like a film nerd. So like, wait, this is like the fucking shit. What the I've <sighs> tragic Pat. And then he's like Googling it. <laughs> he's like Google the shit. <laughs> I actually like that. Cause like, the characters who are nerds about it are always like, oh, they're like in film clubs and they like live stream everything and they like really know their shit. Um, uh, but I, I actually really like and like using Seth Green for this as like a character who like is is like intuitively genre savvy, who doesn't know shit um, about movies, who is like never watched a movie and just, like, reckons he figures that's how it would go. And then you get to do a really fun thing where if that character, like, that character ends up being the killer at the end, right? Um, where you just get, you, you get to several times during the movie have him drop a line where he, like, he says something that is, like, horror movie, and then all the characters go, like, how, dude, how would you, like... Like, uh, it, like, you've never seen a movie. How do you know that that's the trope? And then you get to have him say, well, if I was making a horror movie, that's how I would do it. And then you have him say that only about things that the killer does in the movie because he's making the horror movie because he's the killer and that's how he do it. And that's just like a, a, a fun little get little bit of like background foreshadowing you get to plop in there. That's good. That's good. I think... I want the horror thing he brings up is I'm going to talk about the you can't have sex, no drugs, no sex rule. That comes from Friday the 13th, and it was something that was immediately forgotten by even Friday the 13th, but as horror culture at all. The reason that was a no-no was not because teens have sex and sex is bad. It was specifically because these teens were put in a position where they were supposed to watch over children and they were so preoccupied with their own self-indulgence that they let Jason drown and his mom is upset at them, not just teens have sex. And we immediately forgot that. So I think he would be the one to bring that up and they'd be like, how the fuck do you know the killer in the first Friday the 13th movie is Jason's mom, Mr. I haven't seen the MCU or whatever fucking film reference you want right. to make. So how do we like, okay, so we want to give him some kind of like a deal, a gimmick that like really properly establishes that he's never watched a movie. Something like, like not just that he isn't really a movies guy, but we make him like, like a proper luddite like we like we make him like a like a guy who lives in a cabin in the woods or like um like something else like yeah, that Yeah, he so lives like, at Cramp Crystal Lake. That's kind of cute. I actually like that. Um what if he's a professional camp counselor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Come on. I love that. Come on. Oh yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. You go to camp, it's fucking Seth Green. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so he is a camp counselor. We do want to get him involved in the story somehow, though, both in terms of, like, why is our guy, like, involved with the protagonists in their day-to-day, and also, like, why why, why is he killing people? Okay, this... <laughs> I feel like all of my ideas have just been, what's well, a stupid fucking idea? But what if 
the protags went to his camp and he was like, God, I hate those fucking kids. <laughs> and he just, he's just a shitty little man with a shitty little grudge that he held on for way too long. It's because I don't know how Scream works. <laughs> and like, I don't think Scream, I think scary movie more than I think Scream. Sure, and yeah. that just is a parody. <laughs> okay. So here's a question I have. Is this a Scream movie now? Or is this like a movie that we are inserting into the Scream timeline sometime, you know, in the 90s, in 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 peak Seth uh, Seth Green era? I would say we insert it into the 90s. I I sort of agree. Um in which case, like are we are we doing like Scream Summer Camp? Like edition, like are we are we are we doing like a a little a little spinoff movie which is set at a summer camp in like a in like a really direct way and there get to be a bunch of like like a shit ton of Friday the Thirteenth jokes. I do like that approach. And also, speaking of Camp Scream, Seth Green once made an ad made uh, an animated project called Camp WWE, where all of your favorite WWE superstars went to summer camp and had kooky adventures. Okay, let me add. Let me actually, now that I've said that though, add one more twist on it though. What if instead of just like summer camp, what if it's like, like a like a like a like a workplace team building camp. Like, a place that, like, sort of resembles a summer camp in a lot of ways, um, but, like, isn't quite one. It's, like, a little bit different and a little bit fresh, and it lets us get adults in there, but it also, also like, like, very much evokes retreat? a summer camp. Yeah, like, a, like, I don't know, I have heard about, like, there are, there are, there are, there are references in movies and stuff to, like, workplaces where you go on a like a like a team building getaway i don't know if that's real yeah it's the thing where your boss doesn't want wants to find every workaround to motivating the workers that is not just give them more fucking money so you go to camp for like three fucking weeks and some motivational speaker talks and he walks on the fucking coals and then they didn't instruct everyone on how to walk on coals so some lady burns her fucking feet and it was a big goddamn waste of money and you could just pay them more yeah one of those have you been to one no, I'm just deeply familiar. Okay, yeah. Um and our our Seth Green character is 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 a counselor there. Maybe who knows, a summer camp counselor by background, um uh but now works here. This is his current job and also just fucking hates all the people here and wants to kill them. Um uh and is 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 very much doing a copycat killer thing of the original. Yeah, he's reading the paper and he's like, wait a minute, all these nerds never stop talking about their goddamn tropes. So if I dress up as this here ghost face, they won't suspect it. Bum, bum, bum. And then it gets to be a spinoff, like, like we get to assume it's a, it's a copycat killer. The second movie does this thing where the killer starts, like, killing people in order of, like, names with the original. Like, people who have, like, similar names. Um, in like a in like a same order to the original, you could do a a a, a similar thing here, um, uh, and that way, like like you get to do the spinoff thing. Um, you don't need to involve the main cast, and it doesn't get have to like disrupt the continuity. Um, uh, it's a 
it's a spinoff that didn't catch on to the main continuity. Um, like that show, but if it was good. Do you remember the Scream TV show? They made, I didn't mention it in the beginning because I forgot about it because it's bad and has very little to do with the original and nobody liked it. Um, yeah, it lasted for as long, about as long as the Heathers TV show, right? God, I wonder if the Heathers TV show was any good. It didn't look good. Sure That's why didn't. I didn't fucking watch it. <laughs> it looked like garbage. Yeah. You know there was an episode of Riverdale that was just the Heathers musical? I didn't watch a single episode of Riverdale. Did you watch Riverdale? No, because it looks like <laughs> shit. And then I, I was listening to the Heathers musical, and it was like, do you want to watch the Riverdale episode? No, what the fuck? And then I watched, and it's horrible. Like, I... Most actors can sing. You're all fucking theater nerds. Like, fucking almost no one on that cast could. And then, like, it's this weird thing where they're putting on the show. So, like, the actress who plays Veronica will then sing a a Heather song, and then the Heather will sing a JD song. It was so fucking weird. And then they're like, oh, but my character, like, Jughead is kind of like... JD, so he'll sing this JD song unrelated to anything. I saw it was fucking terrible. Oh my god, it was so fucking bad. Fuck you, Riverdale. Fuck you. Riverdale episode win. <laughs> when one of our friends <laughs> makes us do one, basically. Pretty much, yeah, that's that's when that one will happen. I'd much rather do an Archie episode. That would be fun. I don't want to do a fucking Riverdale episode. It's one of the first times that we've pitched an episode on the show and then been like, we don't want to do that episode. Like, the last one was like, what, like a, a 9-11 episode? We decided no 9-11 episode. Uh, I got so fucking drunk on 9-11, dude. <laughs> for 9-11 reasons, or? Um, for fuck the queen reasons, mostly, fuck I guess. Yeah. That's what we said. That's what we said every time we did a shot. Shout out to you, Reggie. You got drunk when the queen died, and we were talking on Instagram. I um I slept through um eighteen out of the twenty four hours on nine eleven because I had a hundred and two degree fever, so I barely experienced nine eleven. I I went to Hooters one time, mm-hmm. right? And one of the wings, the description was hotter than nine eleven. Really? And I was just like, I... Never forget. Isn't your audience, <laughs> like, fucking conservative white dudes? Like, that? that's that's saucy. I got the wings and spoilers. They were not hot. They were not hot at all. I was so disappointed. Well, I guess neither was 9-11. <laughs> you know who was hot? Please tell. The Hooters waitress. Nice. Nice. Uh, Kristen Stewart in that one gif, or in that one picture, dot, uh, a, a dot picture. Uh, <laughs> Chris, Kristen Stewart in the Fifty Shades of Grey episode oh we made. Oh my fucking god. Um, so I actually already uh, uh, am pretty delighted with this, like, Seth Green, who knows all the tropes by heart despite never having seen a movie doing summer camp ends up being um a killer but like sort of has been telling you he's the killer the whole time in in big and small ways 
I, I feel like he needs a little bit more. Yeah, the it's the, we're at the point where I go, I feel like we're missing that one We're piece. missing the hook, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna ask you a question because I'm not a Scream fan, but I am a Slasher fan. And fun is always an important bit, and the fun is usually in the killing. So is there, like, an escalation of kills? Because all of the kills in the first Friday the 13th movie are, like, just kills that could allegedly happen. And you get to Jason X... And there's the scene where he's got the two chicks tied up in the sleeping bag and he's slamming them into the <laughs> trees. Or you get to... <laughs> it's one of the best things. <laughs> or you get to... Um, Nightmare on Elm Street and the Dream Warriors. And Freddy Cougar has a power glove. And he goes, now I'm playing with power, bitch. And he slams her head into the TV. Is there like a fun escalation of kills? Not in that way. In, in this... Okay. Remember when... Michael Myers got his ass beat by LL Cool J and Halloween H2O. Mm, no. They have a fight in like the middle of a burning building and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's like anytime I watch any of the fucking new Halloween movies where it's like you can't kill Michael. He's a force. He's a shark. He's a thing. He, the, the more we believe in him the stronger he is. I'm like man LL Cool J beat his ass. <laughs> <laughs> cool, she stomped a mud hole in Michael Myers. Shut the fuck up. I got a question for you. I don't think it's too related to Seth Green. I think it's more like the characters he'd be murdering. Yeah. Are any of them aware that they're in a spinoff? Like, is there a point where they go, wait a minute, we're not. I forgot her name. I'm just going to say Laurie Strode. None of us are Laurie Strode. Can we all die? Dun, dun, dun. Well, if he's our genre savvy character, like like usually one character of the bunch knows um this kind of information. Um and if he's our genre savvy character, it would probably be him who would be saying that kind of thing. So they can know in as much as like he's going to tell them. Okay, okay, okay. But obviously like the viewing audience does not know as he is telling them that he is the killer. Okay, I I think I think I have a okay. thing. Um, Amber, you've been around directors. You went to school for film. Mm-hmm. Are there any sort of, like, director-type tropes that could sort of infer this guy's character? Oh, my God, Because so many. if the line he comes back to is like, well, that's how I would make it. He's got a little bit of, like, director energy, right? So, yeah, I mean, so for context, most of my experience in that was in film school. Um, and so what we're really looking at is, like, archetypes of film school kids, um, which is maybe a little bit different um, than, than, than broadly directors, like, in the adult world. The, 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 the first thing that comes to my mind is, like, the fucking insufferable, pretentious director. Um, I had this fucking... This guy I co-directed yeah, the movie I with, yeah, who just like thinks the art. I is... remember telling, I rem... <laughs> yeah, no, you go. Who just thinks the art is more important than uh, uh, fucking anything else in the world, more than like ethics or um, uh, whatever else is his art TM. Um, that's the first thing that comes to mind, but I surely will come up with others. Um... Quick spoilers: those people are oh assholes. It's not. That's how you get a Max Landis's dad who killed two children. Are we talking about the car? Wasn't that like an accident thing? 
I don't know the details. I don't care. It was it was uh, everyone on set and everyone whose job was to say, hey, doing this is dangerous and you don't need to. And the whole point of Hollywood is there are fucking film magic so you don't have to make it this dangerous. And that motherfucker said, no, I need it to be real. And then he got two children and a stuntman killed because he's a piece of shit. Um, I worked with, uh, in film school, um, uh, some people I would call the, like, the hyper-competent producer. Um, this isn't directorial, this is producerial, but, like, um, the producers who, um, seem to know everyone and be everywhere at all times, uh, and just have, like, truly ridiculous amounts of, of, of competence and... We could do we could do more of a producerial archetype to draw from. Um, there's a lot of like gendered stuff happening in those archetypes with like dudes who are misogynists and women who need to put up with misogynists in different ways and you know all the ways that ways that people respond to misogyny being in the world. Men who are um, uh, like overly um, like 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 overcorrect for for there being misogyny into being like too apologetic or whatever um there is um cox yeah a little bit of that one um man i didn't like hang out with the film kids in my department which i kind of regret in a lot of ways um i thought a lot of them were really cool but they also had parties and i didn't go to parties or get along well at parties i'm gonna stand up and that's gonna help me i'm gonna stand up and then i'm gonna have an idea what if he's the protagonist? Is there more there? I mean, I like that, but I mean, he's the killer, but like we don't like we don't get the reveal that he's the killer until like the end of the second act, same as ever. Um that's not enough. We can find something else. That's fine. Okay, so in what direction do you feel it's lacking? Like let's try to nail down it's nebulous what we're missing. Let's try to sink that hole a little bit so it's more of a Yeah, positive. okay. So I'm 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 trying to picture people uh like drawing him as their little blorbo, right? Um and uh I'm trying to figure out like I guess partly just like what is his vibe? What is interesting about his his presentation, his aesthetic, his way of talking his way of thinking about the world that is compelling that is unusual um that that separates him from every other character i guess my question is in many ways uh, uh personality based what's he like what does he act like what how does he present himself okay i got an idea um i'm just gonna shoot mm -hmm. for a little bit and see how you feel so I don't remember the name of the director for The Stand, probably the best Stephen King adaptation, but he talked a lot about the responsibility you have working with kids and particularly getting kids to very intense emotions. And part of being a director is you were in a, you were in a position wherein all of the cast should trust and feel comfortable with you coaching them to get the performance you think will be the best and sometimes and a lot of times performance is drawing from your real world experience right so you should in theory be a personable person right and if you're a counselor at a camp you should be someone who's good 
at talking to people. So I think this should be a guy who is very high empathy, who can help coach you through your problems, who is a counselor, someone you can, you know, talk to. And you think he's just doing that because he's a cool guy, but really he's getting all the deets on, oh, Cindy's having a fight with Lashana. Cindy will be alone come six o'clock, and that means she can get murdered. Are we going back to the summer camp thing? I thought we never left. I mean, like, even if it's like a retreat thing and he's like a camp counselor, like, I was just combining, okay, sure. like, camp counselor no, and sure. director for kind of vibe. No, I mean, I like I like that vibe. Um, Just absolutely the most, like, cracks a lot of jokes. Um, uh, Super empathetic, always asks the right question, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a real, a real... I'm a nice guy. <laughs> a real, um... But it's Seth Green, so like probably in like a little bit of a quiet way. So like a real, um, a real Kim Kitsuragi sort of a situation. Yeah, real, as the Mormons say, a dry wit. In which case, <laughs> I guess my last question is, how does that change when the reveal happens that he's the killer? Do we get a Seth Green, like, truly bug the fuck out? I mean, if I'm the director, Seth Green goes, what's my motivation? I go, go fucking nuts, man. You see you see that? And I point to, like, the, the backdrop. I go, that's a fucking buffet, dude. You eat that. You eat that till you're fu- You eat that... Until you're the blueberry from Really Wonka. And then he says the name because he's Seth Green. And I go, yeah, her. Egg fucking Zackly, dude. You eat that shit. Okay. One more thing, though. One last addition, and then I'm happy. Um, is all of those, like, all of those jokes he's been cracking the whole time. Um, uh, and extremely. They were anti Semitic. No, 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 no. Um, uh,. <laughs> And, like, really empathetic insights um, and charming things. Those keep going after the killer thing is revealed. He doesn't, like... Like, it doesn't... Like, all the light doesn't leave his eyes. He keeps being, like, funny and charming and also trying to shoot at people. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I'm a nice guy. Pew, pew, pew. Too real. Okay. I, I, with that one, I, I feel ready for the fun fact of peace. All right. Yeah. I think we're there. One fun fact of peace. Okay. Here's mm-hmm. my fun fact on the commentary track, the one with casting crew. We got Seth Green, and Seth Green's talking. He's like, you know, I'm not much of a method actor. I just kind of, you know, I get the script. I kind of, I kind of get into the headspace. But with this one, they let me go nuts, and I get to go nuts a lot. So I really wanted to like go outside of myself for the performance, and I I did a little method act. I'm not gonna lie, like really, you, you, this method act. What you do is like you know this guy, you know he, he's alone, he's in the woods a lot, you know he's a compost. But I I got a compost bucket. I'm like no way, you got a compost bucket, and then they spend like five minutes of the commentary just talking about Seth Green's compost <laughs> bucket. Um, my fun fact is that I think his connection to the original Maureen Prescott murder. Um, is that he met Maureen Prescott for like 15 minutes in a doctor waiting room one time and it was like a completely meaningless 
non-interaction and he in his brain turned it into a whole thing um uh and it's like the most tenuous possible connection and that's like the joke of the reveal she was on my mail route right exactly really (laughs) all right everyone and that is a so that a a sewed specifically of original podcast do not steal uh, this show that you're listening to right now, featuring me, Amber Autumn, she, her. And me, Prince Devin. Hasn't this been sweet, sweet candy for your dirty, dirty little I don't ear like holes? That. Ooh, you naughty boy, and your dirty little ear. Okay, I'll switch it up for you. Ooh, you naughty little girl, and your dirty I, little that's ear worse holes. to me. You've... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Our music is by uh, the illustrious Kyle Alicia, um, uh, whose work you can find at therealragnarok.bandcamp.com. Um, thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Original Podcast Do Not Steal. Join us for next week's episode of Original Podcast Do Not Steal when Devin tries to get us to talk about professional wrestling. But I, uh, but instead, um, and with me having a fixed voice, uh, we will talk about what's our next spooky thing. What are you picking for next week? Um, how many months are there in October? Are we going to get four or five episodes out of this? Um, let me check. There are four Fridays in October. Okay, so, fuck, that means I do have to, um, did you have one? Because oh, that means right. that we just do the so three we and then we them for do next the... week, so it's actually fucking my job. Um, yeah, fuck it, let's, let's do a weird one. When we talk instead... About uh, a kitty horror show video games. Kitty, kitty what? horror show. You will, you will, you'll, you'll, you'll find out, and I'll explain it to you after we hang up. I definitely guess I'm gonna learn about that. And when we hang up, and I am alone, I will think of more ways to monetize our friendship, and that's the goal of the podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't have any other... You can find us on Patreon backslash original podcast. Do not steal. For $5 a month, you get absolutely diddly dick. For $10 a month, you can have fun with us. We stream on Thursdays. You can watch movies. We do fun commentary tracks. Yes, you stream for the podcast where we watch... Where we watch... Where we watch movies with our fans for fifteen dollars a month, you get early access to the merch. Twenty dollars a month, you get to suggest an episode, and for a one time, for for a one time payment of two hundred dollars, you can be on an episode with us. Also, for a one-time payment of $200, you can make us make an episode about whatever you want. You can have us switch up the formula, baby. Give me that sweet cash. Well, that was horrible, and I don't have anything else to say about it. Bye. And for $500, you can fuck our wives.